0: Hi, friends. Before we dive into today's episode, I wanted to let you know that if you like what we talk about here on the Belonging Podcasts, I think you'll really love my book. It's called Root and Ritual Timeless Ways to Connect to Land, Lineage, Community, and the Self. And it is available right now wherever books are sold. It is a beautifully illustrated guide to connecting with the earth, your ancestors, and your communities as you come home to your whole self. Though we live in a radically different looking world, the needs of our bodies and spirits are the same as the ancestors we come from. I divide this book into four parts, land, lineage, community, and self, and I take you on a journey. For engaging more deeply with your life, I provide stories for my own life and I share rituals, recipes, and ancestral wisdom, journal prompts to support you on your individual and unique and sacred path. You can get more info and bonuses at rootandritualbook.com and pick it up at your favorite bookstore online or in person. Thanks for all your support. It means the world to me welcome to belonging a podcast that explores how to come home to yourself in the age of loneliness i'm becca piastrelli your host and guide on a journey of courageous reconnection as we explore topics like ancestral wisdom cultivating meaningful sisterhood living with the seasons and cycles of the earth and your body and what it means to be a good ancestor Hello and welcome back to Belonging the podcast. This is Becca Piastrelli, coming at you on a beautiful Friday, the day of Venus, of feminine self care, of receptivity, and the rains. The April rains have just uh, got well. A big shower came through this morning, and now the sun is peeking through the clouds, and. The front yard of my new home, which was lovingly landscaped, and I didn't really know what was going to happen. I'm being surprised, delighted with all these blossoming flowers, including this tree right in front of my office window that has all these blush pink little flowers bursting forth all over its branches that are sort of bending over, kind of weeping willow-like and it's really just inspiring me, this delicate blooming and blossoming that spring brings. It's it's so gentle. You know, it's not like a very intense blossoming. It's such a gentle pushing through after winter. I'm feeling very grateful for that medicine and very grateful to be sharing this episode with you today. I just got off recording this conversation with my dear friend. Stephanie Berg. Stephanie and I have been talking about our struggles and our desires around our time and our schedules, around coffee, around energy for at least five years now. And I thought, you know what? We should record one of these and share it because I know that we're not the only ones in this deeper healing work. I truly believe it's healing work Taking a look at the ways we've internalized capitalism, our relationships to energy, to productivity, to busyness, to work. So I asked her if she was down to have a conversation. She said yes, and it's pretty. It's pretty good. It's pretty juicy, if I do say so. And I, I, we got really vulnerable. (laughs) That's the beauty of recording an episode with a really good friend. Is they know you and see you so deeply. And I, of course, am. Super down to be vulnerable and share exactly where I am in my process. So I do that, including what I'm struggling with currently. And uh, yeah, so Stephanie is um, a former professional ballerina. She's trained as a certified holistic health coach. She's a therapeutic dance and meditation teacher. She's a student of the healing arts. She works in the plant medicine world, in the trauma healing world she is an intuitive, an empath, a trauma survivor, a proud introvert. We talk a lot more about how she's really embraced her introversion and had to set pretty strong boundaries in her life with her friends and community around nourishing that. And she says working with her is like upgrading your operating system, which I can 100% attest to. So even this conversation felt very healing for me so I'm so, so excited to share it with you. I'm wondering what will come up for you and anything, anything at all, I'd love for you to share with us. So you can hit us up on Instagram at Becca Piastrelli, or head to Belonging Podcast and leave a comment there. I think this is a powerful and important conversation, one that is never complete or finished or perfect. So I honor you wherever you are in the path and let's get to it. Thank you so much for talking to me about this. So everyone who's listening, everyone who's listening, (laughs) it feels like so much pressure. (laughs) I'm here with my, one of my best friends in the world, (laughs) Stephanie Berg, who is in Charleston, South Carolina. And as best friends do, we are talking all the time About our lives and something Stephanie and I have been talking about a lot is our first it was like our relationship with coffee (laughs) and then it turned into (laughs) our relationship with time and we've just gone deeper and deeper in our own personal journeys. Very much not in the same, we're not, our journeys have been different. We haven't been doing the same things at the same time, but we've just been really open about it and I have witnessed Stephanie in the last year and a half, ever since Peru really. Yeah. Just go into this level of alignment in her life, in your life, weird to talk third person, in your life where you have made major changes in your life to feel grounded and safe in your body and and ownership of your time and your words, CEO of your damn life. Like (laughs) really, and I've just been I've been saying to you teach me the ways and you've been like well you know you're learning it on your on your own and you've shared books with me. Anyways, that's why I asked you here. And I just I want to chat about this more. So I'm trying to think of a way to introduce you in here that isn't like give me your bio, but maybe you can share a bit of yourself as it pertains to your journey mm. in in this deeper conversation of our relationships with linear time and energy.
1: Mm. Whoa. Okay. Right out the gate. Yeah. (laughs) Well, first of all, just thank you for holding the space to have this conversation because I think it's so important. And I think it's something that um, a lot of us are struggling with in silence or maybe struggling and feeling like we've got it all together. But We're just, it's a, it's really up for me right now. Just the ever unfolding layers of quote unquote self-care and so much of that is time. So thank you for, for creating this space. And hmm, well, I guess the easiest sort of place to start is my background in dance. Yeah. I was a professional ballet dancer for over a decade and um, so much of that world, the training, my upbringing from the age of five, you know, in in this world of um, control, I think that's maybe control and perfectionism. Um, I think those are maybe the two big things that weave themselves into the conversation of energy and time. And also the sort of approach of my physical being, my body, and willing myself to push Mm. (laughs) and strive and ignore beyond the um, the cues that my body was giving to me. You know, so just really learning how to operate in a paradigm and i think this is not just in the dance world but i think this is also like our culture as a whole particularly here in america like really living in a a masculine oriented society that that kind of well totally um operates on us being the same day in and day out. Yeah. Um, Industrial
0: capitalism. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. So we have to just operate at this high level of output all the time. Uh, Doesn't take into account, especially for us as females, our feminine flow with our moon cycles and um, forget about energy and sleep. It's like, we have to be at the same level all the time. And so with dancing, you talk about performance. I mean, that's what the world is geared around and, so I really taught myself in that world um, how to be at highest output all the time. It's like just at the, at the risk of, of everything, you know? So I was very much like caffeine driven. I would take ephedrine. What's that? Uh, So ephedrine is, it's an herbal supplement and I, I think I, I got it through different, means like some people call it trucker speed it's like a really oh. it's like basically like forcing your body it's, a, it's like an amphetamine but it's like a and also something that would burn fat so it was present in a lot of like fat burners and diet pills and things like that and that was something that a lot of a lot of us were doing you know just oh to god eat. all i'm thinking
0: about is diarrhea <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> like to be as lean as possible but also to you know be in the state of adrenaline all the freaking time. So um, yeah, I just learned how to, how to operate in that space. It was like in constant fight or flight. I didn't realize that at the time, but all for the sake of like maximum output all the time. That kind of (laughs) gave us a place to start.
0: Yeah. Cool. I'm so glad. I just, I love when you talk about those times as a professional ballerina, because that brings to mind such beauty and grace that so many of us want to feel in our bodies and in our lives. And you've just really helped me realize you in the movie black Swan (laughs) helped me realize just how, um, behind the scenes, it's actually not very supportive to bot. Like you would tell me that like you sustained a fall and then you had to like push through Mm -hmm. the pain Mm -hmm. and how that was encouraged to you and that's encouraged in ballet. And I think you posted the other day or yesterday on Instagram, this image of ballerina feet and you said something like, I miss the, I miss the dance or the beauty, but I don't miss the pain. Yeah. And so in many ways, we, each of us has our own initiation into this culture, into this capitalist culture of treating ourselves like machines you know, I think mine, I think mine was like my desire to be successful in the eyes of, you know, the all-knowing patriarch. Yes, my father, but more than anything, I just wanted to feel accepted and, and celebrated by society. I wanted to feel loved and belonging. Yeah. And, and to me, that was like clearly through the like success meant the making of money. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I just constantly heard this phrase, um, I'll sleep when I'm dead. Yeah. Mean?
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, how many times have I, I, have I heard that too? You know, and in, in your case, success meant making money. And in my case, success meant like being as skinny as I could be, you know, as like deficient physically as I could be and getting, you know, the roles that I wanted. So we all have those ways of, of being that it's like we just want to, like you said, we just want to belong, we just want to feel loved. And whatever path we choose works for a while until it it doesn't if we don't have that, that real healthy
0: relationship with success, with ourselves, you know, with the world. And what I find interesting about this is you and I came together when we both left those worlds. So you had left ballet and you were a health coach now. And I had left corporate marketing and I was a blogger, <laughs> I guess, is what you say. I was the tabless. And we knew there was a different way. And we both had ambition, still have ambition. We're just, we're rewiring what that means to us. Yeah. You know? And so what's been cool about the evolution of our friendship and our conversations is how we've embraced a new way of being. We've We say the lines, you know, like... You can't pour from an empty cup, and like Mm -hmm. you know, all these things that mean so much to us, and we worked with our clients about, and yet we noticed we still weren't in the deepest integrity with what that means. And most people aren't because it's hard, so there was like the shame Mm -hmm. that kept us quiet about it, Mm -hmm. and then there was the sweet release of being witnessed in the truth of it to saying to each other, I'm I'm still, my whole body is still feeling like the saber tooth tiger is coming and I don't, Mm -hmm. I, and I don't want to admit it, but it's true. Or I'm still feeling like the workaholic tendencies, or I'm still feeling like my addiction to energy is overriding my desire for rest. Or we were saying these things, you know, five, seven years out from these jobs we had and i think that's been a beautiful catalyst for us to realize that it's not like i will say for me for me to realize that it's not necessarily like me doing a bad job it's mm-hmm. it's a system we live in and it's what we learn mm-hmm. to feel belonging and love and significance in mm-hmm. this culture mm-hmm. so it's actually a very major, major choice, conscious choice totally. to opt out of that and choose wellness. Absolutely.
1: And I think something else that you are alluding to, there's this mistaken belief that once you leave that world, because that's what's feeling toxic to you, you know, that's, that seems to be the issue that's the problem that once you leave that world you're automatically going to be fixed or you're automatically going to be healed or you're automatically going to have like a different way of being but some of these ways of being go even beyond us it go even beyond like our day-to-day experience it's like ancestral patterning as mm-hmm. you as you as you well know and for you with trauma work Yes, I mean, gosh, it it runs so deep. It's like it's not only my nervous system I'm dealing with. It's like my mom's and her, my grandmother's, and you know, all of these. It's it's the lineage, and so I I just got back from leading a retreat, as you know. We we, I stayed with Becca for a couple days after it completed, and um, I think there's a belief that I started to kind of really notice in that space that once the retreat is over, like that's quote unquote, these are my words, enough to go home and have everything be different. It's like, well, I I put in the time in the retreat, and now everything's going to be different when I go home. But the truth is, it's like a daily practice. It's like a moment to moment practice to make true changes in our lives. It's like knowing it and embodying it are such different things. And Mm. nowadays, we have so much like, shit coming at us all the time, information wise, you know, a lot of stimulation from the media and technology and all of that. It's like, we, we don't have a problem knowing the answer, but we do have a problem actually embodying the wisdom that we receive, mm. or maybe it's the knowledge that we receive and, and embodying our own wisdom about how to shift
0: things. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. Knowing versus embodying. Yeah. Yeah. There's this whole, like, I know what I need to do, but I just can't seem to do it.
1: Oh yeah. Thing. I mean, that's, I, I built my health coaching business upon that problem that so many people face.
0: Yeah. You yeah. know. Yeah. We should mention you're no longer a health coach and yeah. you're, you're working more with like uh, deep experiences of trauma and wanting to really shift this experience of um, feeling safe. I'm speaking for you. So actually, I wonder if this is true to you. <laughs> Shifting these experiences of the world where you really do feel like there's a block or you really do feel like there's some unresolved pain or, or worthiness issue or belonging, really. That's the word I always use. Mm-hmm. And um, you really immerse yourself in that darkness because you can really feel, I see you, going into the shadow and darkness with with such a bright torch Mm. with your clients. So I wanted to make sure people knew that's what your work was and who you are.
1: Thank you. Yeah, it's been quite a journey and it's such an honor to be transitioning into that space. It feels very true.
0: And a lot of it starts with body. A lot of it starts with, I'm not happy with the way I feel. You know, like that's what this whole thing is based on is you and I started with like, how do we quit coffee? <laughs> Turn into a deeper, like, what's our relationship with coffee? What do we believe coffee is giving us? Mm-hmm. And then we would be like, oh, I, I don't feel safe if I don't feel like super energized. Oh, why don't I feel, what's that about? And we've just, do you want to say more about that? Cause I, mm-hmm. I find coffee to be a really good way to begin this conversation. Yeah. And go deeper. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's, I mean, whoa, <laughs> yeah. like my mind is like kind of like blowing open right now because there are so many different ways that we could take it. Well, let me just say you have been off coffee for how many weeks? Six weeks. Okay. And I'm currently drinking a cup. So let's just be real. First of all, <laughs> that's where this is at. <laughs> oh
1: my goodness. Well, okay. So, I mean, I started drinking coffee in seventh grade.
0: Mm-hmm
1: my little Catholic schoolgirl uniform, my little travel mug, walking to the bus stop. Oh and, yeah. And it was like, I don't, I don't even know how that started. Someone recently asked me like, how did that even begin? But I think I, I recognized at that age that I liked the way I felt when I drank it. And so what started out as like an occasional treat became like an everyday thing because I wanted to like capture that feeling of like brightness and you know more clarity and blah 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 all the things that we know coffee gives us that creativity, the mood boost, like all those things. And um I never really went without coffee from seventh grade on. Mm. So when I when I started um, nutrition school and started, you know, in my health coaching business doing group cleanses, often caffeine was like one of the on on one of the lists of things to avoid. And I would I would go to green tea maybe for a little bit, but I would always find this way of cheating. Like I went to the naturopath and I did an elimination diet and in, in the early days. And she was like, you can be okay with a cup of coffee. So it was- That's very- what my
0: nutritionist is saying to me right now.
1: Yes. Well, because she, it's such a hard
0: thing to give up, right? Yeah. She's like, it's okay. Don't, you don't have to. Like that's such a big mountain to climb. I'm like, thank you. Yeah. But also, huh. Yeah. And I had so many
1: clients who would go through these cleanse experiences and come out and be like, "I'm off of coffee for good. I feel great. Like I let it go." And here I am. I'm never giving this up. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Like, I love it. It's like one of my only vices. I don't drink, really. I don't smoke. Like I don't, you know. It's just that was one of my my things that really gave me what I thought was pleasure. Mm. So before going to Peru to work with plant medicine, we had to give up coffee. You know, part of the the dietary preparations for working with plant medicine is like, it's not a joke. You can't be ingesting caffeine because it can interact with the medicine. And so that was my first real experience as an adult of committing to a period of time in which I wasn't able to drink coffee. And I was pissed about it because Hmm. it helped me keep going. It helps me to sustain a schedule that was
0: unsustainable without it. So what was your fear about yourself without coffee? (sighs) That I'd be slow
1: mentally, physically, that I wouldn't have the energy to get through my to-do list or my meetings—it was basically like fear of try like not being able to maintain a schedule that was very overcommitted, mm-hmm. or expectations upon myself and my work that were what's the word I'm looking for, like uh, unmaintainable, like uh, like yeah. uh, unachievable, you know, in a lot of ways. Like it was un- 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 unachievable goals. Um, as far as like what I could expect of myself in a
0: given day, hour, week. you yeah. know, I effing know. I know that and I just feel like I just want to pause this story for a moment.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and then we'll continue on to Peru together. But I just want to, I, the thing I hear a lot from clients, women in the creative sisterhood, women I just talk to and not, and not women. I should say that this is like a human experience is I can't keep up with my life and I don't have enough time. And then after that is, I don't have enough money. And so, you know, there are very real privileges that you and I have in the way we've been able to take on this healing work that not everyone has, which I want to acknowledge fully here and, and, and see in the world. And also we are in this system that is really, the pace just continues to increase. If you really look at the history of linear time, which is in this book that you recommended that I love called It's About Time by Leslie Keenan. She talks about the origins of linear time versus yeah. seeing time as more cyclical based on you know, circadian rhythms and all of that, seasons. And, and how um, you know, time pieces came about and then churches had clock towers that would ring so that you knew when to pray and it, it moved along and then it's, it's moved really, 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 really fast in the last fifty years, in the last thirty years. And so now all our spaces are being filled with data
1: yeah.
0: and decision making and all all this stuff. So we're really lacking space. So when people say I don't have enough time, I have a lot of understanding a lot of understanding about why they feel that way, you know, no matter your level of privilege. Mm -hmm. So in this experience of feeling like without coffee, I cannot maintain this level of productivity of keeping up with the commitments I've made. Mm -hmm. The questions we need to ask ourselves is why are we making those commitments and why Mm -hmm. are we saying yes to this pace? Yes. that has increased faster than our human bodies have been able to evolve to. Oh, that's the, that's
1: the, the seed. Like that's the, that's the point right there. I mean, it's like our bodies are not much different than they were, if at all, you know, like caveman times, but everything has changed around us. And so we're essentially these ancient beings in a way, trying to navigate our bodies, our ancient beings trying to navigate a very modern, I don't even know what word to use, but like today's culture, you know, today's yes. society. And it's like the, the cost of us trying to keep up with that pace when our bodies are not really designed to do that. And even with coffee, it's hard, you know, even with, I mean, Whatever else people may, you know, Adderall or whatever those other things are that people may abuse to kind of give themselves a false sense of energy, jacking yourself up and then, you know, drinking at night to bring yourself down. Or it's like how we manipulate ourselves and our insides to kind of try to keep up with the world. Yeah.
0: And so I just want to be clear that coffee is a very sacred plant of this earth. And I. I've tried being binary about coffee being bad (laughs) and Mm -hmm. it didn't work because I I have, I mean, first of all, it's addictive, but um, also I have a deep reverence for what it provides for the body. It's really saved me. And when I've had a bad migraine and, you know, it should be revered, right? Mm -hmm. A revered plant. It is plant medicine in and of itself. So I want to be, I just want to make it clear that this is not a conversation about how coffee is bad for you and we should all quit. However, we should be looking at, Mm, That should, I invite us to look into why we're drinking it. So I just want to be clear. That's the conversation Mm -hmm. Stephanie and I are having right now is, is about the root, the root reasoning for it.
1: It's not good or bad. It's not good or bad. And honestly, like, you know, for some people it's, it's the best thing in the world. I mean, I went to a coffee shop to meet a friend recently and got into a conversation with the owner of the coffee shop. It's like a young guy who just moved here from Brooklyn. And he was like, do you want coffee or do you want tea? And I I said, tea? And he kind of made some snide joke about, you know, Uh it's like a coffee place and blah, blah, blah. And I just, and I kind of got into this real conversation of like, I'm, I'm very newly off of coffee and I'm struggling with it. You know, it's been, it's been an interesting journey. And he said, well, the new research out says eight cups of coffee a day is actually like really good for you. <laughs> and he said oh. that I don't remember, but I, and I looked at him and I said, if I drank eight cups of coffee a day, I would explode into thin yeah. air. Yeah. Same. And for men, coffee, like in a physiological sense, men have an easier time with coffee than women do, you know, it can kind of mess with our hormones. So it's, it's basically to each his own with everything, to each her own, to each their own, you know, we just have to figure out what works for us. I, I firmly believe that. And I think in both my case and in yours, there is a misalignment with how we're operating with coffee, like how, re- how our relationship with coffee is
0: um, showing up. Yeah. And I've also, I have a friend named uh, Rachel Rosito and she only drinks coffee when she ovulates. And I thought, oh, if we can, like, I treat all other foods, you know, I try to, like when I bleed, I have more, that's when I have my red meat and that's when I have shiitake mushrooms, you know, and that's giving me iron and that's helping my progesterone levels and all of that. Like, Coffee is the same thing. Like, is there a time we can uh, more healthily process the caffeine and take in its medicine mm-hmm. than when it's not? So I've been looking at that. Okay, but anyways, you get to Peru. <laughs> well, actually, wait a second. Okay, should we slow down? <laughs> like,
1: well, I think I think because it it bears some mentioning the journey up to Peru. Okay. And I'll give the Cliff Notes version of that essentially, but it's essentially the, the decision to go to Peru yeah. and to work with medicine there. I, I think the, the important thing for me to share about that, because it's not a like working with plant medicine is not a fix all or a cure all by any means. But I, so the, the beginning of 2016, started a string of, of deaths in my life, basically one a month from January through September one death a month, very, very tragic thing. I lost both of my grandparents. A friend was murdered. Another friend was oh, killed in a horrible car accident. Um, I had a miscarriage, which was one of the most devastating experiences of my life. And throughout this, this process of really having to face grief and to feel it, feel the shit that I didn't want to feel, I started to one feel really called to going to Peru to kind of go deeper and and really get to the root of a lot of emotional things, but I also started to super hardcore examine my priorities and understand, you know, especially with my grandparents who were such major influences in my life, as I know a lot of grandparents, like that that grandparent relationship is such a special one. And losing my grandparents really was a um, a harsh mirror to me around all of the times that I said I was too busy to call my grandmother back or to go visit them or to be, you know, around for a, a family holiday or something like that. And just my relationship to time started to change within that year, because number one, it had to, I was like, you know, fucking grieving or, you know, miscarrying or, what have you like grief, mm-hmm. the, the process of that, the, the unwinding, the, un, uh, the, the, I don't even want to say falling apart, but that's what it feels like in, in some ways. Um, yeah,
0: the, in, a, in a culture that's like, okay, you have two days back to work, back yeah. to productivity, not too yeah. much. Yeah.
1: Yes. And, and, you know, I feel very blessed for the privilege to be an entrepreneur through that space because I had an assistant at that time who was really wonderful and kind of manned the ship for me as I just like some days couldn't get out of bed, you know, or I would go and walk to go on walks and just cry, like wear my sunglasses and just sob to try to move the energy. And so through that year, that was really this like harsh look at like, what am I doing that I don't want to be doing? One of the big things to kind of unfold from that was health coaching, but also like how am I spending my time in, in ways that really don't matter to me? Like, how do, I, how do I really and truly start to create a life of more meaning? And I watch myself be really tricky with that. You know, like, I'd start to see a little glimmer of hope from, you know, the, the, a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel from the grief and kind of go back into my old ways of being,
0: you mm-hmm. know.
1: Or even with, with being pregnant, it was like... Uh, I just looking back on that, I was so terrified of my life changing Mm. so and not being able to maintain the pace that I had been. And I was like drinking coffee while I was pregnant. And I know that that's, you know, a lot of people say that that's a big no, no, but I kind of felt like I was, I was like cheating a little bit, you know, like, well, oh, just one cup will be okay. But it's that like just one attitude, just a little bit that really adds up. And I realized even after I miscarried, I was grieving, but I gave myself like a week, you know, to finish the week and then go right back to, to hitting it hard, you know, and and expecting myself to hold this standard of, of doing and busy that um, really supported me suppressing feelings or pushing things down and not allowing myself to fall fully apart in the way that I wanted to or needed to. And so In some ways, those, and this is totally like, it took me a while to get to this place, but those, that string of deaths in some ways was a a blessing and also a huge catalyst for me to really start to get the lesson of like, how are you living your life? What really matters to you? How are you going to live? Like you get one and it can be over in a fucking instant. Like, Mm -hmm. what are you going to do? So, and that basically led me to Peru, which um, working with medicine in Peru, I didn't realize it at the time, but I got home and I couldn't maintain the pace Mm -hmm. of my life. It was no
0: longer an option.
1: It was just not an option. I didn't want to, but I physically could not. My body, I don't even know. I don't even know why. (laughs) I don't know if it's, if it's the physiological work that the medicine does, the, the rewiring of the nervous system that it does, if it's an energetic shift, if it's all of it. I mean, I, I can't even, I don't know that I can put into words exactly like what changed specifically, but I just couldn't, I couldn't do it anymore. Yeah. But I still went back to coffee and tried. <laughs> <laughs> I tried.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so um, can I reflect a few things to you about that? Okay, so first of all, I'm just really realizing now how devastating 2015 was for you. And um, I am sorry I didn't see it Mm. the way I see it now then. And I don't need any comfort in that. I just really want to really model this, right? When you hear a friend express when a time was hard and you realize, wow, hmm. in my own ways, I was so wrapped up in myself. I wish I had been there more. So I really want you to hear that because I didn't realize it was one a month. What, and I'm remembering them. Yeah. i remembering when you shared them and shit, I'm so yeah. sorry that happened. You know, all of that. I know it's really hard on Jack too, your partner.
1: Yeah.
0: Hmm. Yeah. yeah. And then I remember when you returned from Peru, I did not go with you. And I also uh, think it's important to mention that you went to Peru with a Peruvian shamanic yes. elder. Yes. And I really love that you did that in such deep integrity with the medicine. So I don't always feel that way about folks who deep yeah. into that path. Yeah. I really respect that about you. Um, when you came back, uh you were different. <laughs> 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 I'm laughing because we've talked about you and I talked yesterday and you were like, I hope people don't think I'm a total bitch We about this tomorrow. Because you were less available.
1: Yeah.
0: You were less available. Uh you would not respond to text messages as often and um, you weren't responding to emails as often and there was a boundary you were putting up, which I think my higher self was like, damn, <laughs> I want to do that. And then like my inner little girl was like, Oh, I don't belong. I'm being rejected. And we've since talked about that, which has been so beautiful, right? To be like, well, wow, that was my experience. What was your experience? So I'd love to know more about like practically what did, what did you do in this realization after peru where it's like i can no longer be this way Mm. i am rewired i am (laughs) different i am new or whatever felt true and what you did because this is where i really see you as a leader Mm. and a way shower for me and anyone else who's like i have to break this pattern and it doesn't feel safe to do so Mm. what it would you do
1: Thank you for all of that. Um, And I think it's, you know, as we're sort of talking about the past, it's easy to look back on things and realize like what we could have done differently. But when we're in the moment, we don't, and, and this kind of pertains to your question, when we're in those moments of survival or change, we don't always know like what it is that we're doing. It's like a moment to moment practice. And so like, it's interesting even sh- like sharing those those pieces or even reflecting upon the time just like immediately post-Peru. I understand with a greater like weight, the significance of those those times. Um And I think <laughs> coming back from Peru, it's almost like, you know, if you've ever had a, a night where you just like get really shit-faced and then the next day you're so hungover, you kind of feel like, no. I'm never drinking again. Yes. <laughs> like, I, it's not that I felt like physically ill in that way, but you know how it's like all you can do is like eat a cheeseburger and like watch TV. It's, like that sort of like that's all you can handle. There mm. was an element of like being a newborn when I got home, like feeling so sensitive and so brand new that I just – I was kind of in that like, oh, I can't do anything else sort of phase, you know. Um just feeling um, one, one of the gifts I think that the medicine gives us is the ability to live in the present more often out of our heads and more into the present moment more frequently. And so what maybe would have been intoxicating before or give me a dopamine hit, like responding to the text messages or social media or doing you know, accomplishing like the menial tasks that made me feel productive, what used to give me that dopamine hit. I I really, it, it, it almost, I don't want to say repelled because that feels like a really strong word, but it felt, it's just like it took a lot of energy, mm-hmm. you know? And I realized, I guess like the next unfolding or the next layer of self-care for myself, like what that needed to be, because within you know the the creation and running of my business I was putting so much of my energy into the business and thus output of information and creating content and this like creating not from a place of true alignment within myself or like a heart-based um I was sort of like creating from what I thought people needed versus like what was actually true to me which brings up all of this like people pleasing habits that I had, you know, chosen to take on from a very young age. And, you know, like just a lot of that reactivity that we are kind of programmed to uh, operate within in this world. It's like call and response all the time. And so um, I became less motivated by the outside in approach Mm. versus like sourcing my decisions, my wisdom, my satisfaction, my fulfillment, I I started sourcing that more from within myself and started to really listen in a new way to myself. And so some of it was alignment and choice and some of it was a bit of surviving with this like brand new skin, you know, in a sense. And, and that was actually something that many of the women that were with me in Peru noticed as well like I just can't keep up with technology the way that I used to and I don't really want to so that actually would probably be an interesting conversation to have with them like what what do you think that is but I think maybe I, I hit it on the head when I said it's just like less of an externally motivated way of being so hmm. and, and that comes with its disadvantages too right because as I keep going to the next layer of what that. Inside out approach is a lot of the relationships in my life start to change, right? So maybe that particular sister that I was always there for, I'm not as available anymore. And And also I'm an introvert, (laughs) you know, Becca and I've always, we always talk about introvert versus extrovert, especially having partners, you know, significant others that are the opposite of what we are. My husband's an extrovert, Becca's Tim is an introvert. So just, you know, understanding, like, I've had to have a lot of conversations with women in my life that I adore who are extroverts to, to just say, like, actually I'm really realizing that I need more time to myself and you giving me space is actually an act of love. Mm -hmm. You know, it's actually like an act of of love and being a good friend to like give me that space and not make it mean anything about us, not make it mean that I'm mad at you or anything, but it's again, like how we learn in relationship is just like communicating what we need and what works and what doesn't. And I think, you know, particularly as an introvert, we don't always have, models of what it's like, you know, we try to force ourselves to be extroverts. Mm-hmm. There's actually like a lot of research that, that supports <laughs> to quiet. Oh, I forget the tagline to that book, but that book quiet is like, so, so great. It was a few years ago, all about introverts, but just sort of understanding, I think post Peru, that working with plant medicine is such an, a clearing energetically, physically. And I, I realized within that clearing how there was a lot in my life that I wanted to simplify even more hmm. and part of that came to my reactivity as far as like how I'm responding constantly like responding to the urgencies in my life um hmm. because I I've, I've found that the more grounded and present I become within myself the less that the urgent requests and demands those don't really feel as as urgent I can see them more as what they are potential you know problems to be solved but not something that I have to give my nervous system (laughs) away to um so yeah and communication has been a big one but also you know sort of coming back from Peru also coincided with a lot of huge transitions in my personal life too you know like we my husband and I moved into a house that we were also renovating and there were some shifts in our family dynamic as far as my stepdaughter moving which was a big change for for both of us it happened really unexpectedly and my husband and I started a, another business together so all of these things it certainly felt like a roller coaster at times, but it's understanding like, okay, where do I fit within all of this? Like, what do I need to actually be okay? And not just be okay, but to thrive Mm -hmm. and to, to navigate all of these responsibilities that are coming in. And one of those big ones was taking some major steps back from my business as I had built it And also understanding like, okay, I'm really done with health coaching now. And I don't know exactly what the next phase is going to look like. This is at that time. But I realized that I need to give that space to grow as I am sort of shifting where my attention goes. And um, I've had a lot of pushback in my life, you know, from friends. I, I had people email my assistant and say like, is she going out of business? Like, where is she? (laughs) Like a lot of that. And it's, and that has been a a challenge for me too, is just like, how do I, how do I navigate the times of hibernation or going within and and being an inquiry and also navigating the world, you know? So. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think these opportunities for us to rewrite our own rules I think you had a beautiful opportunity through plant medicine. I also we I just uh, shared in a conversation with my friend Laura Valida Vesta, who said that chronic illness mm. has has given her the same opportunity. Um, we also have a dear friend who, if just experienced loss, and in that moment of grief, it became very clear to her how how much she didn't want her phone to be her only way of connecting with her community. And mm-hmm. I myself am. I'm having my own experience of it through my experiences of loss with my miscarriages. So, and actually, I moved, I just moved um, in over the winter solstice, and in ways I think I'm still moving <laughs> because it's, it's a huge transition. And noticing that, um, you know, if we're going to translate the things we have to do every day as labor right? I really like this term labor because it can be emotional labor. It can be manual labor, physical labor, computer work, answering personal emails is labor. I realized overnight I had three jobs instead Mm -hmm. of one. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And I was getting really frustrated with myself that I couldn't do it all. Yeah. And kind of had a meltdown. And what I realized is I I have been in a deep initiation with my higher self who is asking me, are you ready to like, tear out the cord that is internalized capitalism out of your body. So that's, so I just want to um, make it clear that you don't always need to go to Peru in order to, to do this. Your initiation comes in the way it comes. Yes. And what I love about what you've done is you've really listened. You've really listened. And what's beautiful is your system was like, there is no going back. Yeah. You know, not all of us can hear that and you had enough space And perhaps the plants helped you really hear it and do it. And then you've, you've shared, you've shared with, with those you love and your community about what you're doing. And that's important. You know, you said you've had to talk particularly to your extroverted community members about what your actual needs are Mm -hmm. and what you're not no longer willing to do. And that is such permission giving. I really have learned to, um, we have a mutual friend who I had to really have a, I'm an extrovert. And I, we have a mutual friend who I really had to say like this, the way this works, the constant texting, this cannot work for me anymore. Mm-hmm. And I remember she said to me, I'm kind of turned on when you give me a boundary. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, it's so great because I have none. <laughs> and then she said to me, and I'll ne- cause I was like, kind of in like a, oh, she's not respecting me. I was like really in a whole thing about it which was not giving her due respect at all because I really wasn't sharing with her what I needed. I really just made it all, you know, into a drama because, you know, we like a little drama.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We like a little drama in these
0: parts. (laughs) Um, But I remember she said to me, how can I best friend you?
1: Hmm.
0: How can I best friend you? And I said, well, if you really feel compelled to text me because when you don't text me, I feel very abandoned. (laughs) Can you just let me know that it's not urgent to respond. Yeah. Which is really nice of her. It's not really her responsibility. That was really, she was like, yeah. So now she texts me, she, I think she does like the no need to respond, like NNTR. <laughs> she goes, NNTR, here's an idea. And I think it helps her to share with me and it helps me to be like, okay. Mm-hmm. I'm doing this. I'm doing this. And now I've started to, if something's not urgent, take a little bit longer to respond. And if people say, did you see my email? I go, yeah, but you know, I'm not in my email every day. So I'll respond to you when I can. I'm starting to let people know yeah. what the new me needs and is willing to give. So that communicating is really important. Mm-hmm. And sometimes people get real triggered mm-hmm. around that. And that's the healing work too. Yes yeah I love that
1: i love I love everything that you just shared because it is it is a an evolution and it's a dance, and it's you know, you and I talk a lot about like the next layer of self-care. Mm. you know it's like I, I even feel like we need to have a different word than than self-care because it's <laughs> it goes so much deeper than what that has has come to equate in our in our culture. but maybe you know, ten years ago, self-care to us was, I don't know maybe it was green juice and, and mani pedis, you know, and getting a massage or like that.
0: <laughs> and all our websites had um, pictures of us doing that in bright red <laughs> lipstick and perfect hair. Remember that? <laughs> and now it's on our like, laptops on the beach, <laughs> on our laptops on the beach.
1: And now it's like, Oh, actually like, what self care looks like today is really honoring my boundaries about when I'm going to be in my email and when I'm not, or, you know, just it's it's the constant unfolding of that next layer. Like what do I need to to really take care of myself so that I can be the person that I want to be like in my marriage and my friendships and my business and my life. And the communication piece that you shared is so important because When we're we're not honoring and respecting ourselves, and our time, and our bodies, and our souls, and all of the things that make up us, then it's it's more likely that we'll become resentful when we're acting out of obligation or that feeling of responsibility. Yes, and then that infuses all of our interactions and exchanges with people. When we do things because we feel like we have to, or because we're scared that someone's going to get mad at us, then we show up from a place of fear or resentment or what have you. And another person feels it. We feel it mm. when, when in actuality it's self-responsibility, right? Like what do we need? Can you make it okay for yourself to not respond to the, the text or the email right away to say, you know what, I got to cancel. I know we scheduled this, this meeting or this podcast
0: or this date, but... I've got to reschedule it. It doesn't, it doesn't actually work for me. Um, instead of lying, instead of saying uh, uh, something came up, you know, like I used to do that. Yeah. I straight up white lied, Yeah. but w- how radical to be like, I'm not feeling it today. I can't, I can't show up in the way we need to. Yeah. I'm and honoring I, myself.
1: Uh, truly. and And I have found that the friendships that I have where there aren't expectations on, on me about, what I'm, what I have to give them in order to maintain the sisterhood or the relationship, the friendship, that actually feels a lot better too. There's not a, there's not this like sense of urgency or fear that's like kind of fueling the the interaction. It's like, you know what? That's cool. I totally honor and respect that you need a night in, you know, like those interactions are the ones that feel balanced, but I also want to like, kind of, pinpoint as well. Like that there's a difference between, you know, canceling plans and being a flake and always. Yes. always totally. Rescheduling because I've done that too. When, when I, when really and truly what I need to do is say, you know what, it's not going to work. I don't know when I can reschedule this, but you know what I mean? There, there, there are a lot of like logistical pieces to it, but it's like not, not being flaky, you know, not constantly like Like being unreliable, not being unreliable.
0: Okay. So I am a recovering flake and I want to talk about this more. So in It's About Time by (laughs) Leslie Keenan, which I mean, this book is so good. And I'm like forever grateful to you for putting it in my life. She talks about like types, you know, like archetypes for like the way you look at time. She talks about the workaholic. She talks about the time debtor and she talks about the time binger Mm-hmm. It's so interesting because I have a tendency to binge on food and I have a tendency to binge on time. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. And so, what that means is I often pack my calendar a little too much. And then, what happens is I don't take care of myself and then I cannot show up yeah. to what I plan for myself. So, I flake. Mm-hmm. So, I just, when I was hearing you talk about uh, saying, you know, when I really truly think about what I, what it is like my capacity, what it is I can really show up for, that is really hard for me. I think as a, I will label it time binger. I, it's painful. I will use that word. It's painful for me to actually look at what my capacity is. It feels like a death. It -hmm. feels like if I actually honor how much I want to do in a day that's computer work, how much I want to do in a day that's space holding, how much I want to do in a day that's taking care of my body, how much I want to spend with Tim, how much I want to, I have to do housework, you know, and friend work. If I look at that, like I am cutting 75% of what I typically commit to. And that hurts my heart. And so that has been the last three months of my life, and uh, I will say it's about time really brought it home for me because in the book she takes you through these exercises, and, and there's a point where you write down everything you need and your time, and you get to that point where some people are like, "Great liberation," and I'm like, "Why am I having a panic attack?"
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, you know, she gently and you, <laughs> her, you, and my friend slash coach Katina have really helped me see like, what are you making that mean? And what are you so afraid of? And I think I just have been very attached to this identity of someone who can do a lot, that I'm impressive for being able to do a lot, that I can multitask. And I certainly, especially as a manifesting generator in human design and being an extrovert, I can multitask. In fact, it serves me to have several projects at once, Mm -hmm. but I... The act of getting really true with myself about what it is I want and have the capacity for, and then cutting, eliminating that 75% has felt like a soul retrieval. Like it's felt like an exorcism. Those are really intense words. And I say them with deep respect for those who do it. it.
1: But it feels
0: that, I'm serious, it felt um, unsafe. In my body, I felt, you know, that feeling when um, you're just like fight or flight, panicking, panicking, shortness of breath, chest feeling tight. Mm -hmm. I mean, just calling it up. I can feel it in my body right now. Like that has been the work for me. Mm -hmm. And I will, I'm just so proud of myself to say that I'm like getting there and I'm not there and I'm trying to give myself time because this whole linear time business makes us think we have to heal fast and be fast. This is major work. And just calling in the ancestral piece, I really think like, why is this freaking me out? Mm -hmm. And I think about my ancestors who didn't have the great privilege and live in a time of deep prosperity. And when the patriarchy was increasingly violent for those I come from, where the women and men, their livelihood, their um, ability to survive was based on how much they can do yeah, in a certain time period, particularly um, the factory workers I come from, the ones who were in Detroit. Shout out to Detroit, new stuff. Yeah, from <laughs> yeah. <the> south of um, <laughs> south of Detroit. <laughs> so funny because now Tim works in Detroit often, so there's like a ancestral connection there. I'm really calling in, and and how that oh, I could go on a tangent there. I'm not going to, but there's something in. I have a deep respect for the labor of my ancestors, the farmers, the factory workers, the blue collar, whatever you want to say. And also like I honor them and I honor all they did to live and thrive so I could be alive here today. And I'm healing this for them. Yeah, I'm healing this for me because I'm alive in a time when I can. Mm-hmm. And when I up all that space, I can be a deeper ally to those who still don't have that ability. Mm-hmm. So that helps me in the like little deaths. I feel when I have to say, thank you for the invitation. No, or even harder. I know I committed to this and I have to be a no now, mm-hmm.
1: Oof. Mm-hmm. but it serves. Yeah. And you're doing so great. Like just unwinding those patterns are, you know, not just for yourself, but for your lineage it's such a challenge and so worth it. And, um, you know, the, the other thing too, is that even with the ancestral factory workers or farmers, there still is a reverence for the cycles, like not only of, of nature in a day, but there's that cyclical, repetitive nature, which lends itself to a more med- meditative state during the day you know Mm -hmm. so whereas we have taken that practice and piled on more and more and more and the emails and the text messages and the you know this that and the other it's like there's still if you think about farming culture because I have ancestors my great-grandparents were farmers and my grandmother in her pre-married days you know they they all lived on farms and There's just much more of a reverence to waking up with the sun, doing the work, winding down as the sun goes down. There's just more of that like ebb and flow. Oh, they didn't check their email five times a day? They (laughs) didn't like, you know, have to respond to text messages as soon as they heard the ding. But I guess what I'm curious for you, Becca, is you mentioned that 75% of the things that you've been doing that are like, oh shit, I've got to let this go. What feels safe about that
0: 75%? Oh, why would I want to keep it? Yeah. Oh, I'm, oh, ooh. okay, let's do this. It's um, my deep discomfort with space. How space, quiet, nothingness, unstructuredness feels so foreign to me. And yet I crave it the most that, um, you know, it's, it's Tim and I were just on vacation and I, and we had like a, we couldn't have a no phone rule, but we had a, a light phone rule and we gave each other permission to like call each other out. Oh man, my fingers were twitching. <laughs> For what? I couldn't tell you. Oh yeah. And I could tell you, it's like the dopamine hit of checking your Instagram or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, I was uh, last year. I got really fascinated with our addiction to phones and technology, and how we don't give ourselves enough space to get bored as a culture. And that red lights waiting at doctors' offices, waiting to check out in a grocery store. We, we check the phone or whatever, we may take a call, and, and those moments of spacing out or, or considering a thought or whatever it is, being bored really feeds our critical thinkings and our um, creativity.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I, I think that fascinates me because it's, I feel that struggle. So that 75% fills the spaces. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, deeper uh, makes me feel relevant and significant mm-hmm. for the doing. You know, there's this, um, the, the addiction to busyness, yeah. And that if one is busy, how are you doing? Busy. Busy is good. How many times is that like a phrasing that you hear in society? I don't necessarily think busy is good. Mm-mm. And yet my system is still trying to be okay with that.
1: Yeah. Whoa.
0: Whoa. How brave mm.
1: are you to face that? Like how courageous. That's some like warrior shit
0: to
1: face the fear that comes up with the white space you know the free space in a world that it's it's not it's not only odd for you to say hey i'm going on a silent retreat people like what you know
0: hey i'm gonna like unplug for the weekend you are what (laughs) how and then probably in their mind they're like how does one do that how does one do that but
1: it's also like, the, it's norm, the norm, it's normal for us to always be tapped in to the matrix, you know, always on our phones, I mean, look around yeah. you when you're out in the world, people are walking down the street, it's a beautiful spring day, <laughs> faces glued in their phones, it's like, hey, your true love might be right there, or the next like, you know, you might find $20 on the ground, like look up from your freaking phone, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the phone. But it's just those. It's the ways that we distract and fill ourselves or fill our plates with things to do, Mm -hmm. commitments.
0: Yeah, and I think it's important for uh, everyone who's listening. If you you know whatever you're experiencing in listening to us, that um, the shame doesn't really cloud it this too much. That's something I've really had to do, and you've really held beautiful space for. Is being able to feel safe. Like the first step is being able to feel safe, like sharing with each other. Like I'm I'm really I drank too much coffee today and I've got the jitters and I'm like coaching clients on putting coffee or whatever it is. Or I um, you know, like I I check my phone, I checked my phone yesterday at a red light, or
1: mm-hmm.
0: I was in a restaurant and everyone was on their phone, and I was one of them. That I think the first step is is really awareness. Yeah. And then the second step is to realize we're in a system and a culture that encourages it. And these, you know, these devices are engineered for our addiction and to realize that changing these habits take time and intention. Yes. Cause I think the shame keeps us small. The shame keeps us from changing. The shame keeps, keeps us from being allies for each other and supporters and sisters for each other. So I'm just noting and tuning in to anyone who's like, ah, oh, shit, I mm-hmm. suck. She's like, no, not at all. Like, it's really hard. Um, there's this meme that's been uh, passed around Instagram a bunch and Twitter. It's "How to know you've internalized capitalism." Mm-hmm. And it I'm says, it Today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's resonating. So here's what it says: How to know you've internalized capitalism." You determine your worth based on your productivity. Huge. You feel guilty for resting. Yep, guilty. <laughs> guilty of that one. Yeah. Your primary concern is to make yourself profitable. Yeah. So the, the first thing you go to is like money. Yep. Again, I, I, we live in the system, like Stephanie and I have not stepped outside of the money system. Yeah. Um, it's just not, it's, not, you know, it's, it's a priority and it's next to other priorities. Yes. You neglect your health. I'll sleep when I'm dead, whatever it is, take a Tums, move on. Mm -hmm. And you think hard work, which is in quotes, is what brings happiness.
1: Mm -hmm. We're taught that too from a young age, you know, it's, it's very much ingrained. And I like to think about efficiency as far as like, how I'm spending my time or even there's a bit of rebellion you know that can come in for me like I don't want to be doing that so how do I do it differently you know and I bring that up because you know the screen time app on our phones if you have a smartphone Mm -hmm. I started using that maybe six or so months ago and I saw that after like a week and granted, I was in the middle of like, you know, promoting an event. So I was on my phone a little bit more and on social media a little bit more. But it was like you spent four and a half hours on your phone each day this week. And I got really freaked out about that because when I did the math and I don't exactly remember what it is right now, but it ended up being like over a year, if I'm to spend four and a half hours on my phone each day, that ends up to be about a month and a half of 24-7 being on my phone. Like, what in God's name, goddess name, (laughs) could I be doing with a month and a half of time? Like, Mm. number one, I love to read, and I was finding like I I wasn't having time, quote-unquote, didn't have time to read. Mm -hmm. But I have four and a half hours to spend on my phone responding to texts or emails or posting or engaging, you know. Like, how do I really want to be spending that time? A month and a half. Whoa. Whoa. So So I think that's a a helpful maybe suggestion too, is we're we're thinking about like any shame that may be coming up or any kind of like, what do I do with this? Like, how do I shift this? It's like understanding that we do, we are the owners of our time. We're the masters of our time, so to speak. And there are a lot of ways that we leak time. In inefficient ways, you know there are lots of ways that we give time away, i.e. scrolling mindlessly, when oftentimes we, we feel like that is providing us with pleasure or nourishment in some way, and it's actually not. So how mm-hmm. can we shift that to those activities or interactions that actually do provide us with pleasure and nourishment? So it's not like a counterfeit form of wow. um, engaging with life.
0: And I mean, we should say that you and I live on opposite sides of the country and we communicate often through our phones. Yeah. So what I love is, okay, I remember I was like, send me a screenshot of your calendar. I was like so obsessed. And then when you came here, you showed me. And what I love about what you do with your calendar is you schedule in every little thing, including like driving time which gave me a panic attack because it felt, (laughs) it felt like, um, rigid. Yeah. Well, I felt like, I mean, I'm not going to be down with rigid or structure. I should say, I think it was that I felt Like um, every moment was scheduled and then you're like, that's why you need an unstructured day. That's why you need one day a week. That's completely unscheduled and unstructured to give your brain a break, which is now what Wednesdays are for me. But what I wanted to say is you actually schedule in connection time. Like you check Marco Polo and texts after dinner, right? Or before dinner, after your workout. I mean, I don't want to like say what's on your calendar, but (laughs) I'm so obsessed with it.
1: (laughs) Well, and it's, a, let's just like, do not like put me on a pedestal by any means because it's very much like a, a movable, flexible, changeable object that I fail at every single week. You know, there's always a day that never goes as planned. But part of what I love about It's About Time, this book that for anyone listening, like go get it. It's amazing. Get it, get it. So if you struggle with this, if you struggle with time, then you'll love this book. It's very supportive and, and you feel very held moving through it. But she talks about just really giving yourself the structure to live into, right? And so for me, it's not necessarily about doing it perfectly every single day. Because some days, I mean, particularly with my moon cycle, oh, you know, yeah. that towards the end of my cycle, like I can't maintain a lot of what I normally think I I could or think I can. But what I've found is that by at least giving Time within each day for the things that have to get done, like showering, like eating, like taking care of my body, you know, whether that's going to a class or going outside you know, for, for a walk around the block, not like, a, you know, a three hour stroll, you know, <laughs> it's like it's giving myself just those little moments in the day to create white space. Like the time when I don't have to be productive, I can just let my mind wander. And by actually like putting that into my schedule and, and kind of like living into that container that I've created for myself, it helps me to have more of what I need and want In my schedule versus like checking the schedule for some free time and then scheduling the next meeting in in that time or and feeling like i'm constantly like answering or answering to others or waking up and my feet hit the ground running because i've got all of these things that i've scheduled in this kind of like haphazard way i've just tried to really look at like okay can i put this in certain places so that it's a boundary for me, actually, you know? So even when there's time for connection, for me, that's something that I, I try to live into, meaning, I don't want to be attached to my phone all day long. I don't want to be sitting with my phone next to me trying to write a blog post or like create a movement class. And I'm constantly picking up the phone to respond to whatever fire needs to be put out or whatever. My biological sister is like, we have this group text and there's always little cute animal gifs or whatever. Like, you know, like that's not priority in, in the moments of creativity, you know, and, and it's a real easy distraction, mm-hmm. but distraction, I'm trying to live my life with less distraction. So mm. it's, like I said, I'm not perfect. I definitely don't get it right every single day, but I try to at least say like, okay, well, I'm going to, I'm going to give my, my focus. I'm going to give my all to my work during these hours. And then I have these hours to have fun or to play or, you know, go, have dinner with a girlfriend or something like that. So it's it's a practice for sure. Like I mean since getting back from being with you in California, my body's still on, you know, Pacific time. Here I am in, in Charleston and I'm like, oh, none of this is actually working the way I want it to. But that's, you know, being in the the place of privilege, uh, you know, being an entrepreneur and and being my own boss. I had the opportunity or the luxury, if you will, to say like, okay, well, where is this not working? Like, how do I restructure this? And I kind of revisit my schedule every few months Mm -hmm. to see, you know, is this actually working in the way my mind thinks it will? Because let's be real, like back to like menstrual cycle, there are certainly days when I'm, you know about to bleed or bleeding where i'm like i'm i'm not doing anything today it doesn't matter what's on the to do list it's not getting done like i just can't focus or i'm too exhausted and what i really need is to sleep in or sleep more and i mean mm. it's dancing with life it's engaging with life fully versus how my mind thinks things should go
0: yeah Beautiful. I, I love how you give yourself permission to fail every week at your schedule. But what's important is your engagement with it and your constant shifting with it. What's not working now? You know, like perhaps you're running a program or this time, or your moon cycle has shifted, or you're just always willing to move with it. Like, oh, you're sleeping later these days, or I just think seasonally, like. We sleep more in the winter and summer, yeah. usually, you know, and we have more energy in the fall and spring, usually. And then you layer in if you're a bleeding person, what's going on with that? And I was thinking about you're totally right that you know you and I are both um, entrepreneurs. We have a bit more of control over our time than people who may have who have jobs that work with another person's schedule. And I think that this can still be applied. Again, um, it's about time Leslie Keenan talks about. Just even the the micro ways, the little ways you can own your time a bit more, like uh if you have a call to give yourself 15 minutes afterwards for decompression. I'll just speak for, you know, my husband Tim is in the corporate world and he his his call schedule is insane, his meeting schedule, but he blocks his calendar, you know, and he also works with someone at his office to really maintain a hold of his calendar. And like after 5 p.m., it's just a big block and it says Tim time.
1: Mm.
0: (laughs) And it's, you know, and I love it. I'm like, oh, it's your Tim time because that's when he can commute home. That's when he can decompress. That's when he can work out. That's when he and I can connect. And, you know, people know like in corporate, if someone's busy, you can't schedule something for them because a lot of people schedule meetings and just say, invite Tim. And it's like, he can't come after 5 yeah, he can't. And, you know, sometimes he has to, you know, sometimes you have to, but that's the whole idea of being flexible with your schedule. But, but the intention is always yeah. there. Like, know if you can, like, I've had people who have auto responders that say, I only check my email at 10 AM and 6 PM, you yeah. know, and they live, they work in corporate jobs or whatever it is, someone who has a busy job and is a mom. And like, I just know when I text her, she'll answer me every Every Sunday, she goes through her unread text messages. So I think this is something that can be applied to everyone, yeah. not just entrepreneurs. I remember when I wasn't yet an entrepreneur and I was following all the coaches and all the people and I just was like so jealous <laughs> of their lives and that created a belief system that if I couldn't or the yeah. only way I could have their lives is if I became an entrepreneur, which I don't think always serves. Yeah. I, you know, We all have different paths. We all have different callings. Yeah. And we all have different needs. Yes. But we can apply these principles of not letting linear time right. own us no matter what.
1: Right. I love that you mentioned that. And actually, I think a, an important thing to add to this too is to understand that everyone is working through their own relationship to time and they're on their own journey with time. And so, you know, we were just talking about establishing those boundaries and having people kind of push back or get upset, but it's like, how can we create more compassion for all of us trying to survive in a system that doesn't really support us being out of linear time ever? You know, it's like we're, we're expected to be at this super high output all the time. And so I would say even for, uh, you know, cause so many of my clients were, or are, you know, they're not entrepreneurs. They're, they're working women in the world, corporate or otherwise. And some of the things that we would work on together is just like protecting your time for you. You know, how do you create those, those moments of time for yourself? And Clarissa Pinkola Estes, who wrote Women Who Run With The Wolves talks about that daily time of silence, you know, that da- daily time of silence to connect with your wild untethered part, you know, your soul, that, that part of yourself that is so connected to spiritual time and nonlinear time, natural natural time, cyclical time like making sure that we have those moments as frequently as possible, whether that's, you know, eating lunch away from your computer for 15, 20 minutes and stepping outside or having like a morning or evening ritual where you do something that is really feeding you, you know, and journaling or reading or whatever the things are that you like to do. But also in the evenings, like instead of going out for drinks with, your your girls like maybe what you really want is to stay home and let that be okay and i've been seeing this um meme go around on instagram that's talking about jomo instead of fomo so the joy of missing out versus the fear of missing out and it, it's like an evening at home may be exactly the recharging that you need to navigate the rest of of the week or to you know really show up more presently with your children or your partner You know, so I think especially for women, when a lot of our biology is us nurturing and giving and doing for others, that, that, you know, it's this age old conversation. I mean, how many times have women been hearing this throughout their lives or even recently, just filling up our own cup, like that whole conversation that we kind of talked about earlier? There's a reason we keep hearing it, you know, there's a Mm -hmm. reason we keep it and it's because it's it's so true. And when we're not taking care of ourselves in the way that we need to, whether that's just like making sure we get three meals a day or going to bed before 2 a.m. or whatever it is, but we know each person knows to some degree, if not fully, deeply, what they need in order to be at their best or You know, I would even say, think about the thing that you've been saying in your head recently, like, I just need more time for X, or I just wish that I was doing Y. We all know what those things are for ourselves and how can we start to provide them more so to ourselves because when we're in a rush, when we're not fully present, when we're not giving to ourselves, that's when the mistakes happen that's when the resentment creeps in. That's when we we snap at the kids or we respond to a text and forget that we made that appointment and then miss it entirely or whatever it is. I'm just making this stuff up. But when we don't have that time, we're Mm -hmm. not fully resourced. That's when we feel like we have to spin faster in order to keep up. But when we can step out of the linear time, the scheduled time and just have like, quiet time, nature time, simple activities, that's when we can connect to ourselves. And that's, I think, in terms of belonging, like what Mm -hmm. we really, really want, that sense of belonging and home within ourselves.
0: Yeah, and if you're struggling with time, I really invite you to reframe the like, I'm failing at life Mm -hmm. or like, I can't adult today (laughs) to... I'm being called to heal this and do life in a different way to see it as, as a a beautiful invitation from your higher self, as Mm -hmm. opposed to a sign you suck. You know, that's the internalized capitalism inside of you. It's not, it's not in charge. Yeah. Yeah. It's really not in charge. Oh yeah. So important. Yeah. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for all of this. I mean, just, I feel so nourished by these conversations, by getting super real about this stuff. It really helps me. I think I I find my little perfectionist, my little scared perfectionist creeping up constantly in this work. And it's just so healing to be with someone who can witness me where I'm at and I can witness them and to just share this wisdom. It feels so good. And I'm, I'm so grateful. You said yes. So we can share this with more, more folks who are called to this as well.
1: Yes. Oh my goodness. Thank you for holding the space for this and thank you for being such a champion to me and for me and for all of your community and your women, just as far as, as doing things differently and living, living life in a way that we, we do feel that connection to one another and connection to ourselves. It's so important to have these conversations and I just so value and honor you
0: mm-hmm. in all the ways. Mm-hmm. Thank you. So for um, people who are like, Stephanie, she seems cool. I wanna <laughs> know more, what, where should they go? they can go to
1: if they feel called they can go to (laughs) stephaniebergcoaching.com that's my website it's in a little bit of transition right now but at least you can check me out there or i'm also on instagram and facebook Um, Those areas are also in transition but i'm there and you can reach out to me there
0: say hi i'd love to stay connected i'll put all those links in the show notes for this episode at belongingpodcast.com. And um, yeah, you're also coming with me to Ireland. I am. In a few weeks. Yeah. So like, come to Ireland and meet with us. So delighted. So delighted. They'll be helping hold space there, which I'm so grateful for. Well, thank you, love. I love you so much. Thank you. I love you all. Day. Thank you so much for listening. I know your time is sacred, and I hope this episode infused some inspiration and meaning into your day. For show notes, links, and references from this episode, you can go to belongingpodcast.com. Also, be sure to subscribe to Belonging on Apple Podcasts, and if you have a moment, leave a review. This helps my little podcast reach more listeners, and I would be ever so grateful.